0: Thank you for joining us again for our online worship here at South Suburban Christian Church. Uh, This is our message for January 3rd. Next week, we start our new series, Dangerous Prayers. Last week, you heard Pastor Joe talk a little bit about uh, our hopes, our dreams, uh, that we are seeking to have the courage and the strength to be able to ask God uh, for His vision, for His courage, uh, for the trust that we need, uh, to be for his wisdom to be able to go forward in this new year we refuse to be beat down by what we've been through in 2020 and we are going forward into 2021 as the people of God and uh, I hope that you will join us next week as we begin our series uh, looking at vision from an ancient Celtic prayer a prayer of uh, the Scot, Irish British Isles uh, as we seek to get into God's word and follow God's vision for our lives Uh, for our church, for our community, for our neighborhoods, uh, all for His glory. Uh, As we prepare ourselves for that, I want to look today at a passage of Scripture from 1 Thessalonians, one of the uh, smaller uh, letters, smaller epistles in your New Testament. I'll give you a second to find 1 Thessalonians. You're not in church. You're not sitting in a pew. No one's watching you. So just go ahead and look in the table of contents, because I think it's more important that you be there at 1 Thessalonians with me. We're going to throw the Scriptures up on the screen for you because I want to do something different today. I want us to read this together. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. This is a, an easy verse to memorize. I hope that you'll take this week and memorize it from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Are you ready? Here we go. We're going to say it together. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. May God add his blessing to the reading of this, his holy and perfect word. Amen. Earlier in 1 Thessalonians, Paul captures a feeling that uh, Pastor Joe, myself, all of our staff, our elders, our deacons, uh, all of those who make South Suburban run on a Sunday probably are feeling and that comes from chapter 2 verse 17 here's what Paul says there but since we were torn away from you brothers and sisters for a short time in person not in heart we endeavor the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we want it to come to you I Paul again and again But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Now I can assure you that that is how we all feel. We miss you, and we know that you miss one another. And although our in-person outreach projects, our drive-through communion, our Zoom small groups and Bible classes have helped us stay connected and in a very powerful way have extended our ministry and invited new people into our community, uh, introduced us to new ways to, to uh, glorify God, to proclaim the good news, all of which we give God thanks for. All things work together for the good, uh, for those who love and trust the Lord and are called according to, to His purpose. And even though there is a new, growing, maybe we might say campus of uh, South Suburban Christian Church that's online, man, we do sure do miss being together. And we look forward to that day when we can meet face-to-face again. You know, sometimes it's difficult to discern the difference between our desire to see one another as friends and close brothers and sisters in Christ, and our desire to see us together as a whole body of Christ, worshiping together again. Uh, by that I mean there are certain people that you'd like to see again, your friends or the members of your Sunday school class or small group that you just would like to see in person again. But there's also something about seeing one another as a group, as a body. Even though we may not know that person's name or, or the names of those children over there, they're our church family and we want to see them and I think in many ways that's the same sort of confusion that we can bring to this text here in first Thessalonians for Paul is referencing in these first few verses of of what what we read together uh, is uh, the whole community that lives in Thessalonica to which the letter of the Thessalonians is written all of the verbs there that are in those uh, phrases that I read to you Uh, All three of those verses are in the second person plural. And what that means is, is that you could easily translate this text as y'all rejoice always, y'all pray without ceasing, y'all give thanks in every circumstance. Now, some folks argue that these commands are not directed to us individually. That is, is that Paul's not saying you, that individual person, need to do these things but rather paul is specifically talking to the community as a whole that is as the church as a community of faith needs to be doing these things we need to be praying without ceasing we need to be rejoicing always we need as a community being uh, giving thanks in all circumstances and yet at the same time we find ourselves today right now in a smaller gathering Some of us are with our spouse and our children, others of us are just with our spouse or maybe a friend, and still others are meeting together today in the solitude of your home or your apartment or your hospital room or your your care facility room. And and yet all of us, wherever we are, are in a place and in a moment where, where we are depending fully on the Holy Spirit to supply us that desperate need for community. Now, as we're heading into a new year, thankfully leaving 2020 behind us, a year that, well, a year ago, uh, folks uh, like me, pastors and preachers, were trying to set the year of 2020 in a context uh, that we might see more clearly. You get it? 2020, see more clearly? That wasn't what we were expecting, huh, when we found ourselves in the midst of 2020. A year that I would suspect all of us are more than willing to put behind us and forget. Well, beginning next week, as Pastor Joe said last week, and I reminded you at the beginning of our time today, we're beginning a new series, Dangerous Prayers. In many ways you could say it's, uh, uh, we're seeking to discover a new heart for a new year. It's a perfect continuation of Paul's admonitions here and the lessons that we're reading in 1 Thessalonians. And although I agree with those who say that this is really uh, for the community as a whole, that Paul is talking to the church uh, as a corporate body, I would suggest that if you and I as individuals aren't doing these things individually during the week, we're going to have a tougher time joining together with one another, with our brothers and sisters, to fulfill Paul's command here for the glory and sake of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul doesn't give us any specific details about how we should meet these expectations of rejoicing always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't tell us the step-by-step process, but God's Word, the fullness of God's Word, does give us some insights and in how we might understand these directives, these commands in many ways coming through Paul from the heart of God the first point that I want to remind us all of today is that God commands us to rejoice always now what does that mean does rejoicing always mean that you always go around with a smile on your face if you're feeling sad or depressed does that mean that we're not being faithful to the call of this text you and I both know lots of people who do feel that way that they have to always be joyful and happy we all have that friend don't we that if you say how are you doing today they're going to say something like i'm blessed in the lord today they'll do it with a huge smile i once knew a lady many many years ago who was that kind of person always smiling always happy always laughing people loved to be around her They would say that she never felt any sadness, any depression. She was always a joy. I guess in many ways I thought that too until one day she came into my study. She confessed to me her grief, her unhappiness, her uncertainty of God's presence, of hope in her life. And all of those confessions were a prelude to an even greater confession of infidelity. Of unfaithfulness in her marriage. You see, she was looking for a fling to offset her sense of pain and her poor self image. You know, I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. Look, rejoicing always doesn't mean that we're always upbeat and that we never feel sadness. Neither Jesus nor Paul were always happy. The Bible tells us that. You probably know that the shortest verse in the English New Testament is, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. It's, the, it's the, you know, the, the, the jeopardy question of every Sunday school game for, for kids and teens, isn't it? But actually, in the Greek New Testament, the shortest verse is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. As Jesus faced the cross, the Bible tells us that he prayed with loud crying and tears you can look that up in hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 in second corinthians chapter 6 verse 10 paul described himself as quote sorrowful yet always rejoicing in romans 12 15 paul tells us rejoice with those who rejoice and what weep with those who are weeping he does not say you tell those who are weeping to stop weeping and start rejoicing now you see rejoicing always does not mean deny your feelings put up a good front for everybody else you see the bible acknowledges that the trials in our life actually function to train us in our life of faith in hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So how should we understand rejoice always? Well, first it's important to remember that when Paul is writing this to the church at Thessalonica, he is writing to believers who are under intense persecution. They're suffering because of their faith. Uh, You can go back and read more about that in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 3 and 4. And you see, this command to rejoice always follows Paul's teaching that we should never uh, uh, get even or exact revenge on folks who are mistreating us. Paul is putting into practice what Jesus taught us in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. "'Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things falsely on my account.'" rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you one of my favorite passages is romans 5 verses 3 through 5 not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I think this command isn't one of feelings or even circumstances for that matter, but it is frankly one of obedience. And obedience that honestly takes years of practice of training our minds to influence our feelings. I wonder if maybe the truth is we actually have a choice. We can either focus on the trials of our life, the, the, uh, um, the, the distinct challenges that lay ahead of us, and be so overwhelmed by that that we sink into hopelessness, Or, as Paul teaches in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. We know we can't control our circumstances, but we can control how we respond to them. In the Lord, Paul says, we can decide that our circumstances will not be what governs who we are how we live, or how we will serve for the glory of God and the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's like this. Rejoicing always is a conscious attitude of contentment, of hope and joy that comes from intentionally focusing on Christ and what He has done on the cross what he has given to us when he stepped out of that tomb. Many of you know John Piper. He puts it this way. Sometimes we have to, quote, fight for joy in the Lord. Well, what are some pragmatic ways that you and I can maybe develop a habit of rejoicing always? You've heard these a million times, but I think the Holy Spirit wants us to hear them again. First, focus on the good things that God has freely given you in Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 3-14 that God chose you in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. That's important for us to remember. That God chose you even before He said, Let there be light. In his divine mind, with his sovereignty and his omnipotence, he was looking upon your face and knowing what our days would hold, even before he lifted his voice to call all things into existence. Not only that, but he's given you and he's given me an inheritance. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. You, you, he thought about when he stretched his arms out on the cross and said i give my life for you second i think that we need to walk in the power of the spirit not in the weakness of the flesh now, i really believe that joy is different than happiness and Happiness, and you know, I know we can discuss and argue about how we define those words, but just for the sake of drawing the distinction between uh, those feelings we get when, when the circumstances around us are good, and those uh, that, that sense of how we will live regardless of the circumstances. And, and I'd like to call that joy. I think the Bible calls that joy. And joy is not a gift of circumstances. Joy is a gift of of the holy spirit paul says that in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to walk in the spirit means to rely totally on him to control every situation in your life now that sense of joy that 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 discipline of joy doesn't happen immediately but it comes with perseverance as believers it comes well you 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 won't always do it right And that's okay. The grace of Christ uh, covers that. But as we intentionally make that decision to be people of joy, to focus on the good things each day, even in the midst of the most difficult trials of what God is giving us, it will change our lives. And the third thing I think that will help us understand this rejoice always is to worship. Now for some of you, you all like to sing for others of you you like to ground yourselves in scripture and however that is you need to take time each day to focus on god's presence in your life that's harder to do especially when it's you know relatively optional to gather here uh, online with us on sunday morning uh, or 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 to even listen to us on our podcast uh, uh, wherever you get your podcast or on youtube because it's all dependent on you there there, there's not the the um, the 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 pressure if you will the 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 social welcoming of coming into a place to be with other people but you and i have to worship every day at least once a week and you're not going to feel like it but if you practice if you, if you decide you're going to do it regardless of how you're feeling, you'll be amazed at how God will reform you. I know that when my family gathers each evening for, for prayer, and as that prayer has expanded from just being a time when we each pray to, to a time of Scripture reading and responsive reading and, and, and focusing on the discipline of worship, even singing, oh my goodness, that could probably be better in our house but i can tell you that when we gather as a family to worship it changes our heart it strengthens us and we can go into that moment of worship just wanting to get it over with and get done with it but every time we come out of it we can sense that god has strengthened us that in the midst of whatever troubles that we've had that day or the concerns that we have for tomorrow or the stresses that we're thinking about as we lay down when we worship God reforms us. The second thing that uh, Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians, God commands us to pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing. Now this is especially important as we head next week into our series, Dangerous Prayers. Does this mean that we should pray every waking moment? Obviously not. I mean, we can look at the Bible and see that neither paul nor nor the lord jesus did that it's helpful to know that the word translated without ceasing is actually a phrase that's often used to describe in other uh ancient texts in the greek for are you ready for this for a hacking cough you know you've had that the cough that just won't go away the cough that isn't with us all the time but shows up at the most inopportune time um that's, that, that's an interesting way to think about praying without ceasing. Um, a person with a bad cough doesn't cough continuously. Um, the other phrase that, that is used to, uh, to describe is, is uh, repeated military attacks. You, you see that phrase uh, without ceasing used when, when other ancient texts are describing the tactics of armies who would attack a city but don't succeed. I think that's important. That army would regroup, and they'd attack again over and over until they won the victory. That's what that phrase, without ceasing, really means. So when you take that phrase, without ceasing, and you put it toward the command to pray, we begin to see that our prayers should be frequent and persistent. Like the friend who, in, in, in the Gospel of Luke who came at midnight to ask for a loaf of bread and who kept knocking until they got what they were after like the widow uh, in luke chapter 18 who jesus talks about who keeps bothering the unjust judge until she gets justice you and i are called to keep coming back again and again in prayer until we obtain what we are asking for in the will of god rejoicing always praying without ceasing well they're related because it's through prayer one of the deepest forms of worship as a matter of fact i would say that prayer is the way that we discover true joy in our life prayer claims the strength and wisdom that god promises us in the midst of our struggles paul writes in romans 8 beginning in verse 31 and 32 if god is for us who can be against us He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All right. How can we develop a habit of praying and uh, uh, praying without ceasing? Well, first of all, know this it's a lifelong process i haven't gotten to 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 the point where i'm happy with it yet either but i'm okay with that because i know that it's a part of the sanctifying work of the holy spirit in my life and in your life as well you know i think the first thing that we ought to keep in mind with regard to this is is that it's hard to do life on our own i think that's been made perfectly clear to us over the past year many of us have felt the emptiness of life because we haven't been with our families We haven't seen our grandparents in months and months and months, or our grandchildren. We haven't been with our family. But more than anyone, more than anyone, you and I need the Lord in every situation. Prayer is the claim of trusting in the Lord. We need to say it out loud. Pray out loud. We need to hear ourselves say it. It seems like when we say it out loud so that we ourselves can hear it, that, that makes it real. It, it gets it out there. And to be honest, um, you know, to be honest, sometimes it's important for us to preach to ourselves about what God is doing in our life. You know, I think sometimes we try to deceive our friends. <laughs> We try to protect our family. We try to encourage ourselves by not saying things that are really in our hearts. But for goodness sake, when you pray, be honest to God. You can tell your friends, I'm good, everything's great. You can tell your family, I'll be okay. You can tell yourself, I got this. But when you're praying, you tell God what I tell God. God, I have no clue how I'm going to handle this challenge in my life it's important it's in those moments of uncertainty and doubt it's in that space if you will that god can step in and do amazing things second i think we need to develop a habit of offering short prayers whenever you can especially prayers that are just as simple as saying thank you father i say that prayer (laughs) dozens and dozens and dozens of time a day You'll be amazed at how much just that practice will change your life. When you think of a friend or a family member, a pastor, hint, hint, a church staff member, send up a short prayer for him or her. Lord, give them wisdom. Lord, give them vision. Lord, give them trust. Lord, give them courage. One of the things Shauna and I fell in love with when we came here to South Suburban Christian Church is how all of you don't normally say things like when you hear somebody tell you about a trial or tribulation, you don't say what we hear in most places, oh, that's horrible, I'll pray for you. What we saw the very first day we walked into this place is, is when folks were sharing the brokenness in their heart, you would grab that person, pull them together, and say, let me pray for you right now. And it'd be a short prayer, a prayer that was real, a prayer that, that, that wasn't rooted in that deceptive tactic. You know what I'm talking about. You tell Bob, they say, Bob, I'll pray for you. And then you don't pray for Bob until the next time you, you see Bob. And then you say, oh, Lord, uh, please bless Bob. And then, hey, Bob, I've been praying for you. That's not what we're talking about. Man, be willing to, to pray out loud with folks. When somebody asks you to to pray for them, say, can I pray for you right now? And then go ahead and pray pray for them in in your private time as often as you can, whenever God brings them to mind. I believe the Holy Spirit brings people to our minds for a purpose so that we can pray for them. Third, spend time in God's Word. Spend time in prayer each morning. You know, the ancient church would pray uh, multiple times a day, seven times a day, but for most of the average Christians, the church encourages us to pray three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. And now we're in a period of time where we're happy if folks just pray once a day. But pray at least once a day. You know, I know I've already said this, it's sort of a theme of life and the life of all of us. Consider reading Scripture as a prayer. If you don't know what to say or how to talk, just, just simply read Scripture. Read it out loud. Offer back to God the same words God had, has given to you and to us. Pray the Psalms, that book in the Old Testament. Do you know it's the longest book? And it's all about singing and praying. Read the book of Revelation, and you'll read the prayers of angels. I think angels can be very helpful in teaching us how to pray. Keep asking. Keep asking, God, until you receive seek until you find knock until the door is open up unto you i didn't think that up that's from luke chapter 11 verses 9 through 10 i know you knew that and finally the third thing that paul gives us here god commands us to give thanks in everything now what on earth does that mean well in ephesians 5 verse paul puts it giving thanks always and for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ There's a pastor and author by the name of Stephen Cole who I enjoy. He said it this way, Giving thanks in every situation does not mean that we must be happy with every situation or resign to accept matters without praying and working for change. I think what he's saying here is when we are called to give thanks, that doesn't mean that we should... Either just resolve to be content with what is, regardless of how difficult or broken it is. But we can be thankful and at the same time continue to work for the will of God to be manifested, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our family, our neighborhoods, our church. Hmm. I think we've already covered the fact that sometimes we don't feel thankful. And it's in the most distressing times that we need to pray prayers of thanksgiving. you heard me. And those moments when you feel the least thankful for what is going on in your life, that's when it becomes most important to pray prayers of thanksgiving. I hear folks occasionally say, well, I'm not getting what I need from my church or, or from my pastors or from my elders. Well, can I suggest to you that it is in that moment when it might be helpful for you to thank God for your church, for your spiritual teachers and leaders in your lives. Yeah, but pastor, I'm not getting what I need from my husband or my wife. Well, may I suggest to you that it is in those moments when you're not getting what you need from your spouse to thank God for your spouse, for your parents, for your children, to ask God how you can encourage them, support and serve them. You don't need to feel thankful. Let Let me restate that sentence with the accent on the proper word. You don't need to feel thankful to pray thanksgiving. You don't need to feel thankful to be thankful. Because it is in the spirit that we discover that. It's in our minds renewed that now govern our feelings, our flesh, our heart. Look, things are tough today. But they're not as tough as they were during the bubonic plague. Things are scary today, but they're not as scary as they were during World War I or World War II. Things are fiscally tight, financially uncertain, but not quite as bad as they were during the Great Depression. Man, it feels hard to be a Christian in the United States today. Well, that's true, but it's not as hard as it is being a Christian in Pakistan or China or Saudi Arabia. Now, that doesn't mean that things still aren't tough. That doesn't mean that the struggles that we're having aren't real. The struggles of leading a church through my first pandemic has pushed me down. But I simply refuse to allow the stress and strain to win. Now, I have my moments. I mean, I sometimes get angry at my seminary for never offering me the the church administration class, leading your church through a pandemic. Or my worship class, Singing When You Can't Sing Without Masks and Having to Be Socially Distanced. Or my church history class entitled, The Last Time the Church Went Through a Time When We Couldn't uh, Worship in Person and Must Go Completely Online. (laughs) I mean, who would have known this is where we would be? But this is where we are. I miss my mother. I miss being with our small group in person. I miss having staff meetings. I never thought I'd say that. I miss having staff meetings when I can actually sit closer to the brothers and sisters with whom I serve shoulder to shoulder with here in this place. And when we do gather, we have to stay six to eight feet apart. I know it's for our safety. But those things are frustrating. So here's what I do. I say to myself... In the midst of all of that struggle, in the midst of all of those horrible things that we can complain about all day, here's what I am thankful for. I'm thankful for elders right here at South Suburban Christian Church who are calling, praying, and serving over 700 people. I'm thankful for our governing board that is asking us about the future, What do we need to be doing to be ready to go into the future that God is calling us into in the months and years to come? God bless them. I'm thankful for a staff that struggles with the same pressures that you struggle with, both here and at home, but make the decisions to do lip-sync videos, (laughs) making complete fools of ourselves, simply because we want to give you a time to lighten the load, enlighten your day, and to let you experience joy. And ironically, in doing it, it gave us joy as well. I'm thankful for my wife, Shauna, who fills our home with love. Who teaches our children. And who yesterday filled our home with the smells of the holiday. And by that I mean cookies. Cookies. <laughs> I'm thankful for my children who wrestle and laugh and make messes and fight and argue and then tell each other that they love one another. I'm thankful for my neighbors. Who take turns shoveling each other's sidewalks and there's lots of opportunities here in the denver colorado region to do that and who gather in our driveways as we did several weeks ago to look at the christmas star and check in with each other via text messages i'm thankful for you who have stayed committed who have continued to give financially, who blessed this staff with an amazing Christmas gift bonus this year, who volunteer for outreach ministries, drive through communions, and Christmas carol sings, and who have sent more encouraging notes that you'll never know how much they blessed us. I'm thankful to God who is leading us into a future that will be different, but one in which we will rise and meet for His glory and one that will touch the lives of our neighbors, our communities, especially those that surround the campus here at South Suburban Christian Church. I'm thankful that it's finally 2021 and I want to begin this year with you rejoicing always praying without ceasing giving thanks in all circumstances next week we're going to begin our new series dangerous prayers you ready God is going to answer those prayers God is going to answer those prayers you ready for that I'm ready Let's go. Will you pray with me? Merciful God, we pray that today your Spirit has touched the hearts of all of those who have watched or listened to this this morning and with you and your Spirit are ready to meet this new year with all of its difficulties and its challenges, determined to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances for this is your will through Jesus Christ. Amen. Look, one last word. In many ways, this message today was for all of those of you who have not only made Christ Lord of your life, but consider this congregation your church home. But in Another real way, this could be an invitation to some of you to your church home where you might worship if you live someplace else, or to you who hasn't made the decision to accept Jesus Christ yet. I want to encourage you that all of this begins with that phrase, in the Lord. Would you step into the Lord? Would you receive christ and the gift he offers if you can say yes to this question do you believe that jesus is the christ the son of the living god and you accept him right now as lord and savior would you click on the button if you're on our online.church platform or email us at office at southsuburban.com we want to walk with you we want to encourage you and frankly we need your encouragement as together as the people of god we serve live and proclaim for his glory Amen.